Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! Hey, Marketing Money Podcast listeners out there, if you need help with your geofencing and mobile placement of advertising, uh, such as we talk about from time to time, you've got to be on the phone. Look to Rain Local. Uh, they're a partner with this podcast now, and uh, Rain Local does a heck of a job on placing ads on that mobile phone, native, and helping with social as well. Uh, so if you want to look them up, rainlocal.com. If you talk to a rep, tell them the Marketing Money Podcast sent you. And now, back to our regular talk. Welcome to the Marketing Money Podcast. It's a awesome day. We have a special guest today, but they don't like even you, know who's talking right now. I feel like you slipped into it. I, j- I did. I just I looked over like and there a, was a mic in my like face. A, like a comfortable pair of slippers. Uh, tiny slippers. Real yes. tiny. Slipped them on my toes. They oh. would be thimbles. Here's a weird thing. So if you ever see John out in the wild, I talk, I've what talked What a great about, start we've got here, folks. I've talked <laughs> a great start to this ball game. We're already three innings deep. Um, if you ever see John out and you look at his shoes, not his feet, because you won't be able to see his feet because they're inside the shoes, they look like normal size shoes. And I've kind of gotten called out on John doesn't really have tiny feet. His feet are absolutely microscopic, but he has huge toes. And so the foot to toe disparity fills up like a what? It's like a reverse foot. Like an 11, 10 and a half, 11 oh, shoe. Yeah. A normal human adult shoe size. But I mean, it's like a three-inch-long foot and a, you know, a nine-inch toe. Oh man, strong on the high beam. I'm like a monkey I can just yeah. climb up trees. You know? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, but anyway that, enough of the silly banter that That's means nothing. That's why people listen. No, they probably turn it off and they're like, "Are they going to say anything important today?" <laughs> today we are. Yes. I mean, prob- this may be. I'm going to go out on a limb that John could hang on to with his monkey toes, and say that this is going to be one of our most important and impactful podcasts with no jest, no sarcasm, because this is one of the areas of banking that's near and dear to my heart that John sent me a secret folded note and said, we're going to talk about this subject. Do you go and tell him or do you want to tell him? We're going to talk about Hunter Young. <laughs> that's, that's an area of banking I can talk about. <laughs> we have a special guest today. <laughs> hey, Edward not- Hunter Young. Yes. The extraordinary Hunter Young. Just keep him coming. Data. Don't stop. Genius. Digital. Wizard. He's like almost 40, but looks almost 20. <laughs> mm, the milk bath. <laughs> Got to cut my hair. It's Serves ama- him well. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> no, so today's topic, for those of you that are like, what are these Jackies going to get to today? We're going to talk about the secret sauce of commercial banking, which is treasury management. Or, a.k.a. cash management. Or, a.k.a. yo cash flow yeah. that you got. Exactly. Yeah. I think, personally, my thing to jump in, just to jump right in, off the limb that I... That I was swinging on with my uh, monkey toes. I think it is the most underutilized, under-marketed, and sometimes misunderstood on the client side, because Treasury, who has a you know, small business, may not look at their cash flow as a Treasury management, but I I think it's the biggest opportunity for most banks. 
I think you're. I think you're right on. I, honestly, especially com- banks that have a commercial. Banks offer. that have the department, and for those that aren't in the day to day of commercial, your community banks are relying on a vendor um, all the time, right? Uh, we call, some we call them partners. Partners. Partner. Um, partners that, yeah. that that handcuff you to a seven year contract. Exactly. Yeah, that you can't wait to get out of, and then they're a vendor. Um, but it auto renews, and no one tells you the date. <laughs> Oh, and then, oh day, today's date, 88. You missed it by two days. We have yeah. a new seven-year contract. Oh, we'll let you out of it for a negotiated fee. Of $2 million. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's, But at the root of it is these partners, these vendors, they don't translate well for the, the team, the staff at the bank, and that certainly doesn't translate well to the customer. So um, you're getting cookie-cutter offerings with – cookie cutter communication around them and uh, that leads to a whole lot of confusion on the customer side and customers i don't know the average customer even knows what treasure management is it's got to be someone of some financial bookkeeping treasurer of a company cfo type or the the accountant uh, that runs the every day but everyone sort of does treasury management in their own life it's what online banking is mm-hmm. really well, and, and so it, you, it is you, you managing your of your of account your, or your treasury mm-hmm. So here's the thing that I would say that when I talk to people about this, it surprises them. If I did not do what I do now, I, if I had to go take a banking career inside a bank, non-marketing career inside a bank, this is Josh Mavis speaking, the agency owner. So it would lot, lot of bad stuff would have to <laughs> have to happen. No, uh, it would be in treasury management, cash management, because to me. One, a lot of banks. So this is a different year. Haven't figured out how to staff it. And where it fits, lenders get the, you know, banks lend money is what sort of it goes to. We're selling lending. And then recently we understood that we needed deposits to fund those loans um, in, a, in a big way. So now banks take deposits. But the thing is, if I went in as a banker, especially a commission-based person, expectation-based, and if I say, hey, business owner, small business owner, need to borrow any money today? No, no, have any real Real thing, I'm not buying any equipment, not doing a new building, whatever. And, you know, there's all the rebuttals and the flows there. Uh, you, have, you have good, you know, good deposits. I'd like to get some of that deposit in my bank. Hell no. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to move that. But if you go in and say, I need to talk to you about your cash flow, and the treasury management services are so wide and varied, everything from the little check carousel Direct deposit, payroll cards, retail I mean, lockbox, so yeah. um, where the, where bills go straight or your invoices go straight, the or the check goes literally straight to your bank and is deposited into your account and processed there. Lines of credit to a degree, depending on the institution, can can sort of be put in there. Factoring, depending on your opinion of the, I mean, there's so many things, but it's all about cash flow. So so luckily, banks started calling it cash management instead of treasury management but i can't go into any small business on the commercial side big business i can you couldn't go into anybody that whether they wanted to talk to a salesperson or not and say i can improve your cash flow Mm -hmm. and they just kick you out they may not be buying a loan or getting a loan they may not be wanting to move their deposits they don't it's not may they don't want to but you can talk to them about their cash flow and i think that's why it's one of the biggest opportunities then you can build a relationship you you want to help a small business owner Help them with cash flow. They'll love you forever, speaking as a small business owner. And then, oh, I do need to. I bought a building, CRE, boom. I need um, employee benefits, 401K, uh, whatever. Uh, boom, I can 
you can pivot to anywhere from cash flow. Yeah, and, and the in most banks today, that cash management rep or the treasury services rep is oftentimes the most advanced form of commercial banker who understands how to read a financial statement, who gets a little bit more of how the inner workings of a business work. Uh, and oftentimes, they're the ones who have access to that deeper information about what's going to happen next in this business. What's the next financial milestone that's going to impact my commercial lender associate and or my deposit banker? It's a great um, just pivot. I it mean, is. Uh, that not universal banker, not whatever. And, and I guess just from the other macro markets, the reason it's an opportunity, not just because I would like to sell it, but because so many banks don't do a great job fitting it into their organization, their flow. So you, banker, don't hang your head if you are one of those that, that's bad at it. Be the one that's good at it in your market, because all your peers are listening. We have like a 100% penetration amongst banks that you compete with. <laughs> but, but be the one that listens to us first. It's just there's an opportunity because there are very few banks out there that just have it all figured out and do it well. Staffed, process, flow feeding to both the deposit side the lending side i think th- I, what do you what do you guys think the main reason is broken why why is it broken and i'm talking we're talking let's be clear about the bank size we're talking about anywhere from uh, i'd say the under under 1 billion crowd it, it's broken because i would say sub 10 10 billion yeah. i mean I, yeah. At different levels. Mm-hmm. So under 10, or I mean under 1, 500 million. May not even have the offering. Well, they may not have the offering. Yeah. They might not They may not have the vendor of the third party. They're probably in a rural place where it's difficult to hire someone. Uh, you know, just the, that bank size. If you're that size in a major metro, maybe you could. And really, you, I mean, then you've got a hell of an opportunity. I think availability of qualified staff ability to train that staff when you do have them and tradition inertia an object at rest tends to stay at rest banks have momentum lending money and taking deposits this is a relatively new development not really i mean 70s 80s into the 90s with the carousel and all that it's the, been the reader technologically improved in the last 10 years yeah. this this area has been it's just yeah. it's just but still, an object at rest yeah. tends to stay at rest those would be the big ones and lack and lack of importance on it um and look not knocking this this is the way it is the bankers that get promoted they're in leadership were probably lenders it's not that they have an unsophisticated view of it like they look at like ah not that I don't they, think, they lead with the loan. It's just they're lenders. They I've always been a lender. It's, it's inertia. Yeah, they're going down that momentum track. And I also think that treasury management servicing gets somewhat sophisticated. And not that community banks aren't sophisticated, but they have to bring in that vendor partner because it's got payment systems. Now, I turn it down to three words: is pay, collect, and protect. How do you pay someone? How do you pay your vendors? How do you collect from folks? Is it through check imaging? Is it through payroll cards? Is it through mail, lockbox, mail, you know, mailbox, lockbox, you know, whatever it is? And then how do you protect that? Because it's got an IT avenue to it. Also, is how do you protect all these funds coming into your bank? And that's part of treasury management services is the online capabilities of the bank. So you've got to pay, collect, and protect. If you can do those three things, you've got a good treasury management offering. Uh, but I think it's the way it's marketed, too, is, is banks are thought of as it's it's – 
it's like you said, it's lending and deposit gathering. And they go, wait, you can be my transactional service too. And now it might be through a vendor you sell to them or a partner, but mm-hmm. it's still, we talk about sticky services, the whole like sticky, you talk about a sticky service when you're running someone's payment operation, they're in an outflow, you're in as deep as you can get. Including merchant services as well. Some yeah. banks do separate merchant services from treasury management. And I understand why. And that's all basically third party. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone puts you on the spot, hardware, interrupt and put on the spot. Mm. This is a marketing podcast about money. We've talked about the money part. How do you market these services? Oh, marketing agency-wise ones across the table from me. Well, I think you just what you just said, you whittled it down to to three categories, and most banks can't even do that, number one. So you just put it into three words and simplified it for the end user, and banks are in the habit of saying, well, if I don't list off the 400 Everything. features of what cash management, treasury services, ACH, payment collections. I would uh, drop protect out of that and from a marketing message because if the bank can't protect it, they don't need to offer it. And it's what we found. The more justification you give around it's secure, they're like, wait, Mm -hmm. why do you keep telling me it's secure? So... Sorry to interrupt. No, that's that's exactly yeah. So you can argue. You don't need to add more to it. You need to actually remove one from the three. Argue the terminologies for sure. Like beat the terminology up because whatever you're doing today is not is not cutting it. Um, You're not explaining it in a way that any business owner is going to understand. I think the other thing that is a major marketing failure is when these folks go out into these cash management specialists. They go out into the world. They're some of the most remote bankers, too, by the way. That's an important thing. So uh, these folks are not technically enabled to do their job well. And so um, they go out into the field, and they're sitting down with somebody, and uh, they're very operational-focused. And so the marketing side of things gets watered down Big time, or they're just not. They're your typical non-marketing type people. They just are. Yeah. Well, first, do it. Uh, Actually, advertise it. Do it. I mean, that's the big thing that's missing is banks advertise deposits and loans, even though in their in their financial meetings inside they're trying to increase non-interest income, but then they're talking about yield Mm -hmm. at the same time. You guys are. We are. It is so non-traditional. It will be hard for people to shift, but that's why there's an opportunity. No one is advertising this. Would you call it a niche market or not? I don't. Th- I, I think it's universal. Every small business that you're going to advertise to, do it repetitively. I can. I have never seen that message. Let uh, from Bank XYZ. Let me help you with your cash flow. Then that's the second thing. Actually advertise, but then the message is cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, and, and cash flow. Yes. yes, you can't you can't get past that. Yeah, um, people every, don't say it enough. Everything else is centered on the bank. I want your deposit because it, it's really hard to give someone a value proposition on their deposits other than rate. Well, guess what? Rate just lowered as of this recording. Well, we got to reprice our CDs. I mean, the nightmare and the catharsis yeah. in all of that. I'm, I'm just saying CDs, whatever, any anything. We're going to drop a rate, killer rate, whatever. You just, so. So the, the go- federal government repricing, just repriced your stuff for you. So that's deposits. That serves the bank, except for with rate. It's really hard to make improve somebody's life by moving their, their deposits to you. And then loans, we know. I mean, it's, it's still rate and availability and, and lack of friction, both interest-based income sets. But nobody's talking about cash flow. That's true. And on top of that, so if you, one, talk about it, two, understand the verticals, the businesses you're going after, where 
uh, and, and understand the cash cycles of those businesses. You have an enormous, we call it niche, niche marketing opportunity to businesses that either have cash all over the place or they have cash flow issues. I mean, it's not hard to figure out what businesses have seasonality to their cash or have some other types of issues. And if you just message to that group, you're going to connect with somebody. Manufacturing. I mean, so I don't know how everybody feels about factoring. Um, I was mixed, never mixed feelings. At, I was never mixed good at feelings. math. Yeah. Can't do factors. <laughs> Factorials. <laughs> Can't do them. But um, for those of you who just quickly don't know, factoring is basically an advanced loan on an invoice. So you're it's ba- just payday lending. Mm-hmm. Ah. No, well, payday lending <laughs> is predatory, high interest. It's contractual lending. Yeah. So so this is you have an invoice for hundred thousand dollars. At the day that invoice is submitted, the bank pays the client ninety percent of that invoice, and then there's normally a tiered collection. So if it pays in net. Zero to 15, you get 97% of that invoice. The bank keeps 3% of the cash that they mm-hmm. get. And, and it steps on down. 30, 15 to 30, you get 95%. I mean, that's a very general term. Not a lot of banks offer it. They're third-party factoring. If it's the right business, it's fantastic. Furniture manufacturing in the area where we are located, and, and to a degree um, we're in North Carolina, this changed lives because instead of borrowing money to buy raw materials, then selling your goods, and then going through that big cycle, we knew there was an order, or there, there was an order for the product. And then the bank takes the actual invoicing off of you. Actually, you don't have to send out pretty invoices. You just submit your statements to the bank. Again, it's sort of a, mm, some people feel a little dirty about it, but the client gets 97% of their money. He gets 90% of it up front to operate. And... The other 7%, the bank keeps three for their service. It's kind of a wonky or weird kind of thing. But that's an industry that has it. Let's say you don't do that. You drop down to just regular manufacturing. You do that regular lending around the raw materials. You go out and buy your raw raw materials. You make widgets. You sell those widgets. You pay it back. Again, manufacturing, yes. Um, Anything that carries an inventory that doesn't do consignment, some recreational-type vehicle sales, things like that. I mean, again, Things have cash flow and 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 um, cycles that you know. I hate to say it, things like Ibis World Report. I mean, there's some third party data you can get around this, and some of it's just common sense. You need to know what's around you. We we recently went to a place. It's it's so weird what you find out about America. Um, so like North Mississippi, is it eighty percent produces eighty percent of the peanuts that are in like M and M Mars. Yeah, yeah. We've we've we thought it was particular Georgia. bars. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, if their crops aren't growing or getting the yield they want, and all of a sudden they're waiting on them to grow, they have no cash flow because they're not selling. But they've got contracts to sell to M M&M, and M, Mars, whoever, whomever. And that's six more ag lending side. Everybody would, yeah. you know, drop that into lag, ag lending, and there's farm subsidies. But, all, but it's just an example of how treasury managers. But I'm just saying, help you. Th- th- nobody knows that. About, I mean, about North Mississippi. I went to the, a place in southeastern Pennsylvania. They they produce 67 percent of the white button mushrooms that America consumes mm. because somebody just decided to to plant mushrooms there. We went to a place in Georgia that makes the hardened teeth that go on um, excavators, bulldozers. Oh, yeah. yeah. My point is, you've got some. We keep saying niche, niche, whatever. You you have a thing like that that you can, you can study up on. Mm-hmm. You can know as much about. You can hire somebody out of that. In the early two thousands, banks did something fantastic, but they put them in lending roles. Some personal banking roles. There's a person that both 
John will know exactly what I'm talking about. North Mississippi was big furniture, um, upholstered furniture, where North Carolina was case goods, wooden furniture, end tables, nightstands, things like that. You're a furniture expert, too, by the way. Just <laughs> yeah, man. Just go. Keep going. So in the early 2000s, banks started hiring salespeople, traditional salespeople. And so in an area where furniture was big, Renaissance Bank hired a great, great salesperson in the um, the, the cloth business, the fabric business, just a ridiculously good banker. More of a universe, just, just a banker. Just yeah, but a he didn't banker. know anything about banking when he came in. He didn't know but anything he, about he banking. He knew people and he knew business. And he had all the connections. So my point is, I've always loved that. Banks shut it down because they, oh, oh my God, this non-banker's in the bank. Mm-hmm. It did not go well for some banks during that hiring spree in the early 2000s. I think we may need to get back to that. And there's there's some SBA lenders that do take that approach still to this Absolutely. day. They, they find the the thought leader in a particular space. That's like pharmaceutical sales. Go get a pharmaceutical rep and turn them into a wealth management banker, and they know all the docs. They know where they were. They know and, how to and get with to all see due them. respect to Pfizer and anybody else, you know, there's a cycle of getting them and releasing those salespeople but, when they're. Yeah, well, also in those companies, you have to move uproot your family and move every few years yeah. to get into you know management and then training and all that so if you're doing that and something they come to you and go hey we want to promote you to a new market and you don't want to go because your kids are in school whatever i would go to a bank and be like, look i know every doctor in town i've sold them for 10 years they know me i know their schedules i know how to get in touch with them and so if it's weird to you that we started talking about people that's the you have to have the practitioner to engage the the client and to actually launch the so product. i guess tell people message it and then fulfill that that need. Yeah, we're all out here. Every bank right now, because of the the way the tide has brought us, we're all fighting over deposits. And look, I can pull the deposit report right now. I just had a fight over it. It was it was like brutal, like a fight, fist fight. <laughs> oh, West like, Side Story. Everybody's like, coming out. It was snapping. like it was like Hamilton. It was a duel, but we wrapped it. Yeah, so it was like a modern. What's Hamilton. the rate? Yes. What's the rate? Exactly. <laughs> Don't be late. Right. Yeah, no, it wasn't that. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I feel pretty. <laughs> no, that's another that West Side story. Um, but all of that. But again, I, I go back to the fact that we're all doing this stuff that's very traditional. This is an area where you we talk about zigging when someone else is zagging, and we've just never talked about it. Yeah. So, no, you're you're right on. So it, it's a it's an open market out there. I'll tell you another source on this. You know, expertise side. There's a, a lot of your, um, I don't know what you want to call them, economic development, state economic developers um, have bought this GIS mapping technology that you can search like industrial bases and see their cash flow for free. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful research tool. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess it's out there. So if you're like, how the do I get to this, you know, from not doing it to doing it, th- I mean, th- I there's think a we, path. I think we outlined it is yeah. first Say you got it if you got it, and then or, well, go get it if you go don't. Get it if you don't talk. have it, yeah. And then um, look at some industries in your areas that make sense. Mm-hmm. Potentially hire a fit for that, uh, and, and the marketing will follow. Tell folks you got it, mm-hmm. and it's all about cash flow. Again, best podcast we ever made. We've also figured out potentially a new business idea and venture here, which is uh, a potential HR porter for back-to-banking jobs, uh, taking people from different industries and sending them back into banking, which... Like, like reverse headhunter? Yeah. I got a guy for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got a guy. <laughs> I, look, 
you know, the thing is, is we we joke, we do whatever. I, we actually do want to obviously add tactical, actually give advice. I, and I'm not kidding. If 10 banks that listen to us go and do this, it's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue. It's just, I don't know, one of the things I was talking about before we had this podcast, we look at opportunity all the time. We're nerds about this. We we do, obviously, a good bit of discussion around geotargeting and things like that, geoconquesting, and, and one of the opportunities, if you know anybody, you know, USBA folks out there talking to hotels, if you, if, if you do. Why do hotels not geotarget each other? So you got Hilton and Marriott are the big ones right now that have all the properties. If you're staying at a Hilton, why is Marriott not geotargeting you? Well, why might you ask? Well, because if you're going to have a bad experience at a hotel, you're going to have it at a hotel. It's the only place. So if let's say it's something the hotel doesn't even contribute to, noise, street noise, um, crappy, whatever, tenants. What do they call them? Visitors? Stayers? Stayers. Stayers. Probably stayers. Stay- yeah. no, those are what we walk. That's <laughs> what rednecks walk up. Stayers. Stayers. Are down. Mm-hmm. Equal opportunity, up or down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, options. But anyway, the only place you can have a bad experience is there. So it's it's an opportunity like that. It is. Yeah, it is. And that's not. there's not enough of the, uh, in the modern digital world of mobile targeted marketing, uh, there's not enough thought put into uh, where are the bad experiences? Where are those moments that I have an opportunity to Captive, change a mindset? Yeah. Uh, there's not enough thought around that. And this is one of those things that is on no bank, or, or I'm sorry, no business, successful, unsuccessful, in some sort of gradient, will not at least listen eventually. Now, I'm, I'm not saying like you're going to go call on 10 people and 10 of them are going to you know sit down and, oh, wise one, tell me about this. But over time... It, it's one of the best messages. Best kept secret, which is a statement I hate. Why would you keep a great secret that you should advertise? Cash flow, talk to your people about it. Find a niche. Just go do it. Yeah. It's that simple. And tell us how it works. John dipped. I, he, yeah. he, he wanted to make it seem like he didn't, but he did. <laughs> he didn't want us to tell. Quietly so, exit. So I'm going to – he's a good dad. He had to go take care of his family. He did. So he I'm going to go do that now. As am I. So this is it for Marking Money Podcast, MarkingMoneyPodcast.com. See you next time. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mabus Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.